the stress of high school football and running a business was too much and it caused mannerism and um, God let me live and when I opened up my eyes and opened up Romans chapter 6 and read it all it was amazing to me because it made me realize that it's not about anybody else but that child it's not about you it's not about you being famous or the kicking guru it's not about that university or pro team it's about that young man One of my favorite things to do on Sundays is watch guys like Johnny Hecker, Ty Long, or AJ Cole flip fields for a living as high caliber NFL punters. I'm your host, Brennan Cahill, and today our guest is Coach Mike McCabe, the director of One-on-One Kicking. One-on-One Kicking and Mike McCabe have been featured in the New York Times, ESPN, and Sports Illustrated as one of the leading authorities in how to train and develop NFL specialists, particularly punters. This is their story. Enjoy. Uh, well, I played at Illinois State University. It was uh, Coach Urban Meyer's first job. <laughs> we were not a very good football team. Uh, he was my special teams coordinator. I think I averaged 12 punts a game. Um, we didn't kick a lot because we couldn't get to the end zone. <laughs> gotcha. So I was punting more. So this is why you're known as the punting guy. Yeah, probably. Uh, You know, and then, you know, kickoffs are great when you had the opportunity to do it because that was one of my favorite things is, you know, kicking off and and just crushing it. Um, And, you know, had a great time, you know, being, you know, you know, who would figure Coach Meyer would have done things he's done in his career, you know, especially when you're that age and he's two years older than you and you're like, I'm going to listen to this guy. (laughs) <laughs> and you realize you listen to him real quick. <laughs> right. So, um, but you know, it, it was great. You know, he, he taught me a lot of character issues that really helped me become a better man. Um, along with my father, you know, him and him became very good friends and, and, uh, they just kind of built me and mold me from there. And, you know, I was blessed enough to make conference many years and lead the nation as well. So, uh, you know, that gave me a shot to the pros. What was the lesson that you feel he, he most taught you? What well, what mattered most was consistency and directional punting because directional punting was just coming out then. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of punters are more into, you know, banging it, big ball competition type of thing. And and what really helped me in, in the National Football League was to be a consistent, smooth, explosion guy. You know, you got to be able to get, you know, drive up to the ball to drive it and direct it where you want it uh, as a directional punter. So, um, you know, besides the knuckleballs that you'd come out with and other different type of punts that you'd have, uh, because you got to go up against these returners that are just extremely fast and, you know, be able to put them in the corner cuts down their running lanes. Right. So it, it extremely helps with hang time, um, you, you know, just in the, in the distance of your net, and that's everything. Yeah, net is king. I mean, gross is fun, but it doesn't matter if you just gave up 80 yards on a return. No, no. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, it, it, the net back when I was playing the NFL was 38, 39. Wouldn't, wouldn't, you know, 
I think in the past 10 years, it's increased over 40. So, um, you know, look what the Ravens punters done and who's helped change the game on the different type of punch you can use to, you know, Johnny Hecker to many others that influence a lot of what a punter can do to help win football games. Um, when you have a great specialist program like the Ravens or the Rams or a couple other teams, uh, it, it changes you and you and four ball games right there. Right. And so when you are working, I guess what's interesting is you have had pretty good success with developing guys from high school to college and then college to pros. Could you talk a little bit about this year's, uh, who are your current guys in the NFL? And then who are the guys coming up through the pipeline that we should be aware of? Well, I mean, Tyler Newsom just signed with Kansas city. Uh, Austin McGinnis just signed with the Rams. Um, you know, then you, you know, obviously everyone's heard of AJ Cole and Ty Long that just signed this year. Then uh, Terry Chase uh, and also Rodrigo Blankenship uh, are two of the players that we train and, and, and have great NFL ability. So, you know, as, as of, you know, kickers, I would state, you know, those are, you know, the top two strongest that we have that are coming out currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, punter wise, uh, love Blake Gilligan. That kid's so good. Uh, directionally can kick off, you know, we're turning a lot of our players into combo players because it makes it more valuable that if a kicker goes down, you can step right in and, and help out, you know, so the team doesn't have to spend an extraordinary amount of money to get another player. Right. Um, like know, with Ty really right? Need. Yeah. And, and until that player is healed or if, Hey, we got to ring somebody in, mm-hmm. you know, we don't tire out our punter. Um, you know, but, you know, just, um, we, we've had three signed in the CFL that, you know, after their seasons are done over there, obviously are going to be back in the NFL. Um, but, you know, as, as of, you know, rookie punters that are coming up, I would say Blake Gilligan, uh, has done fantastically well. Uh, I was impressed with Jake Harper from Michigan state. Um, he did really well. He's been here for almost two, three months training, you know, so when these guys come here, they basically move here for the next three months and we train full time. Um, you know, they have weekends off and Wednesdays off and that's, you know, that's it. Uh, until they get into camp. Gotcha. And so what is it about, so what's the one thing you can get from working with you that a player will not be able to find anywhere else? What do you think makes one-on-ones camp so unique well uh we stick to, to to the same basics as you know like coach as coach brown does um you know i've known him on and off for a couple of years did camps with him and i'm like wow you teach the same stuff i do and he's like you teach the same stuff i do <laughs> <laughs> so uh drill work is actually is everything uh you're you know everybody can go back there and kick try to kick a football but if you don't work on that uh you know it, having that foot lock out, locked out properly and that ball contact on that foot, it's everything. So no steps are, are most definitely the most important thing to do. Um, we also use a half round bag, you know, those half round bags have a little handle on the inside, uh, slide the plant back a little and you can hit that as well. Mm-hmm. And that gives you a lot of reps that you can do at home to work on rolling that quad over and getting that ankle exactly where it needs to be hitting that bag 
just as you hit the sweet spot of the ball and listen it back up and forward. So you're going forward. You're not falling back. Right. Because as we fall back, our foot does what? Coach, it wraps around the ball. So, and that's what a lot of players end up doing is wrapping that foot around the ball um, quite a bit and not have a fall. You know, you want to feel very confident with that swing every time, um, you know, it, 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 70% of the time you're, you're, you're going to hit great balls. But those other 30%, hey, if they go through, so what? Mm-hmm. If they don't, so what? Move on. That's what makes a great NFL player is a guy that gets over that bad ball and moves forward and then corrects his mistake. And what they do to correct it is they go right back to the basics. Right. Do you, when you see high school kids or college kids when they first come to you, do you think that, well, I guess, what's the one thing you think a lot of kids are getting wrong today when it comes to training and development from a technical They're kicking standpoint. too much. Mm-hmm. Okay. Using sticks way too much. Sticks are used as a, as a ground tool for, for training, uh, to do no steps, to do one steps. Uh, if you're doing one steps to the jab to warm up, that's great. But right after that, do it without the jab. Just because, you know, you've already taken your jab step, or if you don't, if you're a two-step kicker, you're already on that drive step, your kicking leg. So you got to learn to drive out and up and through the ball, like a golf swing, very similar, compared to many kids that we see that leap. Mm-hmm. The right leg locks up, and they go airborne. Jumpers. And all that weight comes down, and that heel is stuck way past that belt line that really all you're using is your knee to your foot and all that great 200-pound body weight does nothing for you. Right. Uh, it just basically helps turn you to that left where you're using more of your growing where you're going to tear it. Um, yeah, I see so many kids like that. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the positioning of their right foot, opening it up outside the ball instead of pointing at the ball. It could be a million things. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually that's what I find is kids will jab their first step, their drive steps too short. It's pointing at the ball and they go airborne. Right. They're, they're jumping. So, it's almost like if, yeah, I see a lot of jumpers too. Like when we think of when you're a little kid, if you jump and you're doing a layup in basketball, you, Oh, you power up, but in kicking, it's almost counterintuitive when you're first learning it. Your plant's never going to be in the same spot. And your most important thing is attacking that plant spot. If it's pointing to that target, that ball's going that way. Mm -hmm. What about for uh, punters? What's the one thing you see younger guys struggling the most with? They catch the ball inside their body. That takes a lot of time from catch to kick. They don't understand that these coaches, when they send them film, if you're tossing balls underhand or even with a snapper, they want to see it with a live snapper if you can get one. Mm-hmm. Reason being is they want to see your handling skills, catching the ball out in front, not inside your body. Two, uh, how they're placing the ball on the drop table. Is it too low? Is it below your waistline? Is it too high above your eyeballs? You want to ride at that solo plex level like a handshake. And the reason being is, you know, as we're creating momentum to go through the ball and we release it, when do we release it? If you release it too soon, your body catches up to the ball. You have to stop, which means your plan is going to put on a break. Makes sense? Sitting in a chair. Uh, if we release it at the right time, then we're able to plant and explode and hit it right at leg lock and drive it like a catapult. So you'd be bent more on that, 
more or less like a half crescent moon or a banana when you're striking the ball. Um, you know, so we, we teach a lot of our punters, uh, they do over a hundred ball reception drills a day where they just catch mold, get it out in front and then they'll catch mold and take their first step. We don't have them take a first step longer than a yard. Reason being is then my second step is going to be in the same path lane if I'm past the yard and I'm over striding. Hence the crossover swing. <laughs> right. Balls in the middle of your body, your quad has to come back out around when you really want your quad to come up and through the ball. Um, you know, so the second drill aspect that we do is the second step float drill. And that's where you have your right foot already up that you took your first step. And you're holding the ball, looking at the inside laces, and that logo. The inside logo or the nipple up ball says so quarter turns, so the panel's there. And that when I'm releasing it and that left arm's coming off, that left leg is moving at the same time as that left arm that I'm releasing it just before I plant and extending it just a little. Because when my momentum goes through the ball, you're gonna you're gonna be able to hit it right at that impact zone you need. Got it. And, and so, then we do a full step drill where they snap it under hand, they get it, mold it, move quick, float it out, and keep walking through. You don't stop. The reason you want to keep walking through is because then your momentum is still giving that pep behind the ball. If I teach myself to release and, and plant, there's no pep on the ball. It goes down quickly. Gotcha. And there's many other drills that we do besides that as well. You know, explosion drills, you know, teach you how to pop to the ball, you know. Uh, Any way it stays on the ground as a punter is not really getting their whole body to the ball and they're not going to be that consistent. Right. And I think it's, the handwork is really underrated um, for – Oh, it's everything. Yeah, and I think that when you first – when kids first get into kicking, they're like, I just want to kick it. But 80% of your work as a punter is waist up. If you if you as a punter don't have that ball caught out in front of you and molded ready to go, you're in big trouble <laughs> because mm -hmm. you have a uh, 1.35 seconds to get it off, depending on the snap. If he's 0.7, you got a little time. If he's 0.75, you don't have any time. So you right. have to work at a consistent speed. Um, and filming yourself, film is everything. From the drop side, from in front, from behind, over the shoulder, to see how you're dropping and releasing the ball. Um, you know, and I think when you interviewed Coach Brown last time, and he he made a per perfect point. If you're going to be a pro athlete or want to be a pro athlete, learn to evaluate yourself. Learn how to coach yourself. Learn from your coaches, take that knowledge, and reevaluate yourself every time you train. That's what makes an NFL player. Do you find a lot of kids will tend to almost over-rely on what a coach says? So, for example, I know it's like an ironic question to ask a coach yourself, but do you feel that a lot of younger guys – are too eager to just jettison their whole form and try something completely different day to day. Cause what I found is uh, some kids are, they kind of, they almost, they're uh, I guess they're too excited to try different things and they, and they feel like their form just isn't quite there. Whereas the higher level guys, yeah, they want to be perfect and they're always going to work on their craft, 
But at the same time, they trust that the form that they've worked on is always going to be good enough to get the job done. Do you see a difference between kids like that? I've seen both uh, from the first phase that you said and the second phase. Mm -hmm. First phase is they're looking for the quickest way to get it done as an end result, which means the ball turned over. They're they're not worried about their form. (laughs) Uh, And once they do get their form down and let's say it doesn't work out the way they're hoping it would, you know, they're looking for that quick microwave effect. Um, you're going to get worse for you get better when you learn to retrain your muscle memory and muscle memory is everything. If you're not doing the same thing every single time correctly, you're going to end up developing bad habits. So let's get to the second phase. Players got better athletic ability. He's an athlete. He hits a couple good balls here and there. The minute they hit a five, three, they post it, but the other 20 punts, God only knows. So, how does that affect the player? One, ball reception drill. Two, making sure all the drill work that he's done mentally, physically, he runs it through his mind. Three, there's no quick fix. He knows and understands that he has to work. If it's one little thing, everything's perfect, but that ball just turns in just real quick for some reason. Well, then we need to film that part of the arm and him and find out why. And then realize, oof, his bottom palm is rolling underneath. So we have to fix that and force that hand to go forward. Then the bottom palm dripping underneath. If you understand what I'm saying, the ball starts rolling. Right. So, you know, there could be a lot of things that players have issues with, but they're not hard to fix if they drill it, if they do their work and do what they're taught to do. And let's say you're hitting the ball great and you go off to college and the guy's telling you different things to do. Hey, if it helps you, I have no problems with it. But I normally tell the kids, just say yes, sir, and don't change a thing because you punk rate it where you're at. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's it's always, you know, it's funny in golf, the college golf coaches always take time to work with their golfers, you know, home swing coach or mechanics coach or whatever, yeah. because they want to understand, okay, I use this terminology, but that might, we might be talking about the same exact thing, but I might use completely different terminology. It's going to gunk you up and mentally, how do you learn? How do you do this best? Do you find that there are college coaches out there willing to sit down with you or your coaches to better understand where the kickers that you both work with are coming from, or is it still a continuous challenge? Well, you know, it's, it's one, I was impressed this year at the AFCA when I was speaking, there's over 400 coaches that were there. You know, I saw a lot of the Penn state coaches in Minnesota and many others, you know, uh, that I know uh, throughout college football, you know, I had Kenny Allen and Bedvik there and we were doing drill work, tons of drill work and different things to show them. This is what's going to make your punter more consistent. Um, And a lot of them, had contacted us, hey, send us those drill sheets, send us film. You know, we want to learn. So, you know, we ended up doing that. To me, that says a lot about a GA or or a quality control coach, recruiting coordinator coach, or anybody that's handling the kickers that really wants to take and learn a craft that most people really don't know anything about. 
Uh, and that's just going to make him more valuable, you know, uh, as a coach, because he's going to be able to coach another position and still help with specialists and, and keep that team consistent in what they're doing. So it is changing for the better you're, you're saying. I think so. I mean, you know, um, you know, just like college in the NFL, I believe, co- you know, t- teams should hire a a guru, if that makes sense. Somebody that really is time in and time and again has proven himself with the players that they've trained. Um, you know, and, and that's important because when you have that history behind you, then that history will continue to follow you with the players that you train. You know, when I helped the Miami Hurricanes back in 2000 when they won the national championship, 2001, you know, uh, uh, I trained Freddie Capshaw and Todd Sievers, and they were the top in the country. They were, they worked all, they worked hard. They did everything they were asked to do, and and that team won the national championship. And from there, you know, I started the first combine called the Expo. Um, and I think Sailor and, and Keenan back out in 03, didn't he? Something like that, 02, 03, and then Coles is 04. I got out of doing the ranking systems in 07, but uh, I just went into straight coaching. But, um, yeah, I find coaches uh, really wanting to, you know, better, you know, a great example is uh, Joe Judge, who came from Alabama, handled a specialist. You know, I came in and worked with him a lot. He and I became great friends. Uh, he went on to be an assistant sessions coordinator at the Patriots and the coordinator at the Patriots. Now he's a head coach at the New York Giants. Yeah, when I when but I met Goskowski once, he kicking. was working, him, working with him. Do what? Oh, I'm sorry. When I met Goskowski at one of Carney's events uh, last year, two years ago, he he had mentioned Joe Judge and said he really he really liked him a lot. Yeah, and and he he was you know for a guy that's played on the line, he, he learned quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Coach, when they catch the ball inside or bring it down stop them <laughs> right <laughs> you know on a punt it's okay to catch it and have a little dip when you're going down but not only down to your you know legs and back up so yeah it's 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 interesting when you go over tons of film of college athletes with coaches and you know we try to help them over the phone as well and and, and even offer to help the college player um you know if we've never trained them before you know by going over film with them right and so talk to me a little bit about your take on ranking events versus training with your operation. So how is your operation different from uh, maybe a ranking camp series? And then, you know, because resources are finite. So why might a family consider a ranking camp? And then why might they consider, uh, you know, working with your style and your model? Well, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's more of a style of a model. It, you know, I, I was doing all the rankings for scout and rivals and got out of doing it uh, just because, you know, I had, you know, heart issues, which you know of, and contacted Coach Cole and let him know I'm not doing combines anymore because we were friends and, you know, sent him over stuff that I had and, and just said, hey, I'm just going to go into coaching. So um i never thought in a million years i'd have as many players as i do in the nfl or the cfl um but i realized that consistent training no matter where you play if you're good the pros are going to find you 
right. and you're going to get picked up and you're going to be brought into camp. And if you stay good, you're going to play. So that was kind of the, the motto that we had, you know, back then in 05, uh, 06 and 07, as we were building up towards that. Uh, and just got into uh, opening up, you know, different locations to do year-round training. Uh, and that's where players can train every other weekend. And we used to do it every weekend, but we chose to do it every other weekend because we wanted to see the kids are the ones that were really doing the work. Because the ones that were not, they just weren't going to make it. Mm. They're not going to make it to college. You know, they'll have a good high school career, but, you know, if you're not doing your drill work, we can tell. You can tell when your kids aren't doing the drill work you ask them to do, because if they did, they'd improve. Sure. So, you know, uh, and some kids, you know, we let go. Um, we invite kids that, you know, we do free trials for them. Um, we take them from the ground up and teach them the same exact stuff we teach the pros. Everything's the same. Nothing changes. So everybody on my staff is teaching the same stuff. Uh, so from there, we kind of took our model and had our college players, you know, that were from different areas of the state. They'd come and kick with us, and they'd help train the kids. We'd train the players for free, and vice versa, they'd train the kids. Uh, and the pros did the same thing. And from there, you're able to determine whose future is going to do what, depending on who worked the hardest, and who actually won it the most is what it comes down to. You know, um, you know, I, everyone talks about Rodrigo, but you know what? Rodrigo works like a maniac in the weight room. Ty Long looks, works like a maniac in the weight room. Ryan Santosa works like a maniac in the weight room. Uh, Venetary works like a maniac in the weight room. Johnny Hecker most definitely does. Um, you know, uh, you know, Pat O'Donnell, no question. Colin Newsom's a freak. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's got um, great hair too. He doesn't he? I love that seventies haircut. Oh, and yeah. then uh bring it back. And then Vedvik, maniac. Matthew White, what a story that kid is. Came from Mammoths, went to the Bears, uh, came to us, tweaked him just a little here and there, and that kid's just on fire. Fiddles, punts, uh, CFL team offered him right away, he took it. You know, because that, that film is going to be valuable for him to get back into the NFL. Sure. Um, and, and to do that one year for any pro team, you know, the CFL is no easy cakewalk, buddy. It, it's pro football. They got 11 guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, 12 guys instead of 11 playing. So, Plus they also have that import um, too. Yeah, it gives that little extra guy to get in there and come mess with you a little on punts. <clears throat> right. You know, uh, I've seen some guys get cut in half. <laughs> Just because you got a free guy. Sure. And, and so when you, you know, obviously uh, you have a good rep with the high school kids, the college kids you work with, what was it like working? What's it like working with guys like Johnny Hecker, Ty Long or Pat McAfee or um, what, what makes those guys so different? They're focused. Mm-hmm. Um, a different type of focus uh, you know, whenever we had camps, like when they were in high school or even in college, uh, they were the first ones that were out there. They're the first ones. I mean, it's breakfast. They're leading the group. If nobody wanted to follow them, they were gone. They were out on the field. Um, they would spend more hours at it working at it. 
Um, I, I know, so, you know, when they're, you know, getting ready for the pros or whatever, they'd stay at the house or wherever we put them in an Airbnb and, you know, constantly doing drill work, constantly. And, and, and that's what it takes, um, you know, to be the number one guy in anything, running, spritz, drills, your academics, everything. Uh, if you're going to make it in the NFL, trust me, guys, they look at your grades. You know, they look at everything. Really? Interesting. Oh, yeah. That shows a lot about your character. Am I going to have a kid that's going to listen to me, or I have a kid that just isn't going to get what we're talking to him about? Sure. You know, because they, they leave some of these punters, not all of them. I'm not sure if it's true, but, you know, most of them are going to make their own calls that they see because they can see the field better where they're at. So... You know, I know when I was in Chicago, you know, Steve Kayser, who was my special teams coordinator, who now works for the Rams, um, you know, make your call. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is great. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's definitely another level of focus that separates a lot of those guys. And, and I think that's true for college – I'm sorry, high school to college as well. Could you talk – a little bit about what your philosophy of recruiting from high school to college is at one-on-one. Well, ours is, is based on, you know, you know, a player being really consistent, not somebody just having a great day or a couple great days. Um, the reason we like players going to combines, it teaches them how to compete. Um, the ranking system helps as well to get them noticed. We all know that, um, you know, does, being ranked number one gets you an offer? Not necessarily. Uh, what gets you an offer is, is you going out at that university and being really consistent at the job that they're asking you to perform. So, you know, that player consistency level for us, it, we don't grade them by stars. We're grading by A, B, C, D. I want a grade A player. This is a guy that is hitting bad balls at four, six, and his high level is 5-2. So in between there, he's hitting 42 yards plus. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. You can cover a ball like that. It takes a returner at least six seconds to go 45 yards. Six seconds. Yep. That's college. Pros, I'm sure it's a little faster. Probably, what, about five? Yeah. So, you know, you do actually have to be able to place that ball. And we chart them. Um, you know, we keep all the videos that we have. And we ask the kids, okay, you hit 30 punts. Out of those 30 punts, we want you to chart the distance, the hang time, and the catch to kick. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, slow and catch to kick. You know, my average is probably about 40, it's 43.4. My hang time was 4.4. I said, okay, hang time, average is good. Our catch to kick is too slow. We have to speed it up. Now, by speeding it up from 1.5 to 1.3, guess what? He averaged 47, and his hang time increased. Why do you because think that you're generating, you're generating more power. Mm-hmm. You're generating more speed and more torque and more explosion to drive to the ball. But right. you've got to stay short. Because block zones nine yards, pros is, pro- is exactly at ten. Mm-hmm. 
So do you find that when, when your punters actually speed up their get-off time, they actually start to hit more consistent balls? As they get used to that speed, correct. Not once they're starting, but as they get used to that speed, getting used to that, that fluid motion, uh, getting used to being coached, being tweaked, uh, and getting that feel for that ball hitting the foot exactly where it needs to, to you know, be placed on your foot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, foot to ball contacts, everything. Uh, and if you're hitting it right there at leg lock and you're not overstriding, you're going to launch it. Sure. So, you know, if, if you look at most of the NFL, I think what's average hang time four, six, five. Yeah. It's not five. no, but you know what? They're hitting four, seven dingers, mm-hmm. you know, lining up, right, going left, lining up left, going right. That are like four four bullets going eighty yards, but that returner to get a sprint and get there, and that's tough. Sure, you know, uh, or they'll hit a directional punt, directional right. It's a four seven fifty five, and it hits one yard to the sideline. Sure, who's going to get that? So anytime that you're two yards or three yards to the sideline or two yards out of bounds, that's your box. That's where you want to pin that guy. Mm-hmm. It's against you and the returner. Because gotcha. then if you take out the returner, you take out the team. You th- I think you have a good understanding of punting, from, punting and kicking from a coach's perspective, an X's and O's schematic perspective. Do you think enough high school and college guys understand punting and kicking from the perspective of their coach's schemes? Because I hear it all the time where it's like, oh, my coach hates me. Oh, we never go for field goals. You know, he always wants me to do this. How do you, how do you kind of bridge that gap between what a coach wants schematically versus what players are comfortable with? Well, that all depends on the snap. Mm-hmm. Okay, high school coaches, you know, I coached at Prattville, won four state championships, rated one, number two. Um, you know, I get offered by a lot of schools to coach and colleges and. You know, I love what I do coaching <laughs> with one-on-one, so sure. a lot more fun. But, um, you know, it, it really, you know, if you don't have a good snapper and field goals and a good holder and you don't spend the time to work with them, regardless of what your line does, that's the, a co- that's a coach's issue there, not yours. But that's everything, not kicking on sticks. It's timing and getting your timing down, getting someone teaching that holder how to hold someone working with the snapper to make sure it's done correctly. Same with punts. I've seen so many highlight films as you have where the snap's going 25 feet over the kid's head and he's running for his life or rolls two right. feet in front of him and it's a cluster, yep. you know, or the blocking, what blocking? Really? I mean, you know, so when I was in high school helping Bill Clark, who's the head coach at UAB, I had a field day because I would attack every weakness that, that there was that they had to prepare for us. You had to prepare for Prattville High School or you're just going to get destroyed on special teams. You're going to get a pump block. That's a touchdown. Either way, it's going in a different direction that you want to go. Sure. So, um, you know, for the kids, their problem is they're too much worried about the blocking instead of worried about their timing with them and the snapper how many of them really clocked their snappers i did didn't you right 
Yeah, we bring it out at least once then or twice. He's a point eight. Oh Lord, let's put the whole whole cross right around our chest and feel one and a half and pray. Right. <laughs> you know, a one and a half step punt. You hit it, you're, you're the man. But, you know, uh, if they're not blocking well or they're coming through certain gaps or what have you, you know, hey, this is your team. You know, don't be afraid to say, you know, as a as a captain, as your team, you, you should always think of yourself as a captain and, and, and go up to that player and just say, hey, man, can you, can you hold that block just a little longer? You know, depending how they treat you as a kicker or not, you know, uh, it's still your team. Right. Um, understanding what the coach is doing, that means you need to be in film class. You need to be in film study. When they're breaking down special teams on kickoff, kickoff return, punt return, punt team, anything, onside, you need to be watching the opposing team's film. If you know what the opposing team's doing as a specialist, you become the best weapon of anybody out there besides that quarterback and the kicker. Why? Because you can put them down where the defense can keep them stuffed. How many great high school punters are there? Under 1%. <laughs> right. Okay. So, um, you know, if you learn what the opposing team is doing and know what your team is doing as a punter, then all you got to do is look at what their formation is, what they're doing. No fakes are called. Everything's good. And you start the ball the whole way. And we tell it, we teach our players on punts and, and, and shuggles, look at the rotation of the snap. How many laces you can count that rotation? That's going to determine how fast your snap is. If it's a four count, you're about 0.75 to 0.8. If it's a three, three and a half count, you're about 0.68 to 0.70. Right. Field goals, wait for his hand to come off the ground. Tack to plant spot. Look at your target. No reason for you to be looking up the line and then going. That's going to do you no good. There are a couple of players, though. Uh, so, for example, Nick Folk. If you notice on film, at least his older film, he, he tends to look the, he looked the snap into the holder and his reasoning was that, like, as an ex-soccer player, he likes seeing the ball go into the holder. What's your What's your thought on that? Is Have you come across guys that just, like, for a comfort thing, did better when they looked at the snap going into the holder? Well, usually, if you look at film and you look at when the left hand comes off the ground mm-hmm. and as he's catching it, most guys are usually – on their way towards the ball. Sure. So Folk was more of once they caught it and started bringing it in, he would leave. Does that make sense? So he would leave a little later, you're saying? So if he would catch it, once he caught it and his motion of coming down, he was moving. Mm -hmm. So it's really not that much of a difference of what he was doing and a guy catching it and leaving it once it hits outside the hand. You know, I find many kickers that are mixed of both. I've had some leave too early, too. So um, that's why we always kind of use, you know, look at their left hand. It's right there on the grass. The minute it comes off the turf, if, if you have a good snapper, your timing will never be off. You know, some teams use a thumb. 
you know, like in the NFL, to snap. And some players will visually watch the snap, the thumb, and the whole thing and come through and do that. You know, my eyes aren't that as good for a guy that can do that. <laughs> you know, for me, it was I could see the snap, but I'm watching his hand. Sure. Uh, and that whole plant area. My plant spot was the most important thing for me to attack. Because anytime that I try to attack the ball, you know, you're going to push it or hook it. Sure. So, you get, you get um, crushed up and plant too close. Yeah. You know, and and a point three three snap's great for high school. Or point three four, um, you know, that's a quick snap. And a lot of kids snap the ball, the, the, the ball's inside the body of the holder. Uh, so it's going to take time for him to get that snap down. So that's why it's important for them to really work on having that snap over where the ball should be placed so he can catch it easier for him to mold it and it's ready for you to swing compared to it's curving in, he catches it inside and then trying to get it down. That's going to take a little more time. So, you know, that's where catching it one out in front, it's coming down, boom, off it goes to two catching it. It's inside the body. I got to feel like I got to hesitate. And then there's the ball. You know what I mean on that. We've, we've all been there. Yeah. And I think a lot of high school kids almost feel like they have to have a college-bound holder and snapper to, to be good. But I had a kid this year who, I mean, his, his short snapper literally knuckleballed every snap back to the holder. But they had worked together so much. He was just – they all had really good chemistry and trust the kid ended up going seven for seven with probably one of the worst snappers I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I think a lot of it just comes down to, are you going to put the time in to find two guys that you trust to get the job done? Yeah, but the time and it also, I leave that up to, to the kicker, mm-hmm. to the punter, be a leader, go to ask him, let's go out 15 minutes for practice and work on this. Go grab the wide receiver quarterback that's holding. I did it constantly at Prattville, and, you know, Brian Egan, he's our director of kicking, was a parade All-American, 20 for 24. That's not too shabby, right. you know, compared to the year before. It was a little worse because their timing was off, and the way the holder was sitting was incorrect. So he couldn't spin out properly if he had a fire call. Um, you know, so these kids really have to work on, if they want to get recruited, Snap and holds. Anything that you see that I have, I'll have sometimes you'll see me on videos, we'll toss snaps. But you know what? You're going to have snaps on there as well with a real snapper. So these NFL teams can clock it. That's what they're doing. Clock, clock, clock. They want to see it every time, every punt, every college. You know this as as well as I do. Every recruiting coordinator out there is going to be clocking everything. If you send them, you know, you kicking on sticks, okay, it shows me you can kick. What can you do with a real live snapper and holder? Right. And show me that. Post, don't post it in slow mo. <laughs> no, no. Show the real thing and then show me your kickoffs. But don't film it from the stands. Be 10 yards in front of where you're kicking. Have them film it. Show it where it's going and show the hang time. And do directional left, do directional right. Hit two down the middle, show a couple onsides that you have. That's called a workout film. That's going to get you more exposure and get more schools interested in inviting you to their college camps 
and move you up that depth chart from being 10 to number two quicker than anything. Sure. Hands down. Yeah, I, mean, I, I love a good took AJ Reed. What's up? You know, they took AJ Reed, grad transfer, because the kid's good. He does his drill work. I send the staff his workout film every time he's here training. They love it. They love to see progression to see where you're going. These kids, when they have these Twitter pages and they post these 60 yarders, they don't care about that. You know what they care about? Show me what you got inside the 48, then show me your stuff after that. And show me that with a snap and hold. Nothing else. Yeah. Even if it's you get the your... world, I mean, it, it would be for me. I know it would be for you as a coach, you know. Okay. Um, you know, how does a kid react when there is a bad snap? You know, what if the ball's leaning left? What if the ball's leaning right? What if the ball's leaning forward or back a little? How is he going to react to that and kick it? Is he, is he just going to flub it or is he going to put it through? Right. We used to do no steps where if the ball wasn't down on the tee that you'd plant and slide back and hit it. Mm. And everyone thought it was the stupidest drill. I said, guys, you never know. Well, Rodrigo did it once. Yeah, Just that a pure habit, you know? So um, I remember when one of the kids, Charlie Ham, was, you know, kicking at Duke's camp and he goes, coach, he's holding the ball sideways. And I said, and he goes, I made it. <laughs> <laughs> And right. and that's what you want to do, you know, is, you know, you're never going to have a perfect hole and you got to work on those type of holes. You know, that's what makes you better. And I think most kids would find that their little brother, sister, mom or dad, grandma, grandpa, somebody would go out there and, and take a crack at holding for you. Like my mom was my holder in high school in college, <laughs> you know, I gave her something to talk to all the little old ladies at church about, you know, oh, I helped, I helped Brenny kicking the other day. She held terribly, but it made me a better player because for the first time I wasn't just exclusively kicking off of a hold, a mechanical holder. Oh, no question. My, my, um, I remember, I mean, <laughs> it's somebody I was dating once was holding for me and she would just let her finger off the ball and I would see it fall and I'm like, Oh God. Yeah, this isn't going to last. We need to break up. <laughs> yeah, this is not going to work. Um, you know, but usually they'll lift their fingers up just at the last second, but the ball's still falling, you know, and you film it and see it. And, you know, I used to work on field goals of any different way that, you know, even if it's completely flat, you really can't kick the ball. It's just not going to work. But if you have any angle to it, right or left, at 45 degrees, you can still make it. Yeah. It'll feel weird, but you can still do it. Yeah. As long as it gets through, it's three points. Yeah, I know. I th we as Sometimes we live in this little kicking and punting bubble where it's like, oh, my God, well, it went through, but it wasn't perfect. And then, you know, your head coach, you shank one, it goes through, and your head coach loves you. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, been there, done that. <laughs> right. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about – you know, when you obviously you've you've coached a long time, and you have twenty one years. Twenty one years. You're kind of a hub for high school, college, pro coaches, players, families, and when you look, you know, when you look back at when you first started your career, knowing what you know now, what would be one piece of advice you you would have wished you had given yourself? 
It's kind of tough because I wouldn't be where I'm at without my staff today. We wouldn't be where we're at without the pros that have become pros to help younger young men become great players. We wouldn't be where we're at today without the college players that learned what we taught them to teach other players. And we wouldn't be where we're at today without the kids that worked hard. Um, that, that kind of sums it up because, you know, you can't do it all. Right. Uh, as much as you try to and you want to and you want to be hands-on and be there and this and that, you got to make sure that your players that you have that are coaching for you, that are working for you, are exactly on the same page. And they have the same motivation in mind for these children, and that's changing their lives. You know, as a company, I've invested a lot of money in two individuals you know very well to, you know, help these kids learn about recruiting and, and educate them in recruiting. Um, and and we help them as much as, as they help themselves. So um, I learn all the time, Coach. I mean, I, I learn from my pros. You know, Ty will say something, wow, oh, I never thought of that. Or, you know, Richie Leone, one of, the, one of the greatest punters ever. Plays in the CFL. I think he owns every record. And, you know, just to watch how smooth he is and see certain things and going, you know, picking up on different things that may work for different people. Every player is built differently. So even though you may have a certain technique that you're using – I had to teach Blake Gillikin to hold a vapor one with the nose more up for him because it worked better for him than if he kept it level. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Right. And, and that's something that I picked up from what one of our pros was doing. You know, he mentioned it and I said, that's a great idea. Let's try that. And we, and it worked, you know, now we're teaching him no nose up the NFL ball and keep it level. So, but yeah, I mean, you, you learn so much. You're not a good coach if you don't learn from other guys. You're just not. You're you you're you're too big time for your own britches. Right. You know. Um but I would say that's probably you know, in my earlier years, if I was more focused on listening to what others had to say, yes, this could have developed a lot quicker, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um now that you're more open and see things uh, that may work for different other pe- you know, players, then apply it and see if it does. And if it does, you stick with it. Sure. Yeah. And I, I think it's, that, I, I hope I, that wasn't too long of, of an answer. I hope it was a good one. <laughs> no, but I think that that's true. The, the mark of a good coach, the best coaches are the best learners. And I think you just never know what type of, you know, you might be trying to teach a drill to a kid for weeks and then, one of your regional staff guys just stops by because he's in the area. And, and he the used, kid's hitting bombs. Yeah, and then he, he uses a little different analogy. And for some reason, it's the same drill but a different explanation. It just clicked. Um, and it you know. does. You're so right. I mean, Dawson Zimmerman, you know, Dawson played at Clemson, mm-hmm. went, went to Atlanta, did great. Bears wanted him, chose just to be a teacher. That broke my heart, but I love him to death. He's probably the best out there and I would try to explain it one way I'm like why is this kid not getting it he would say it differently and I'm like all right what's the magic sauce to that what did you just say (laughs) (laughs) right 
you know, so those things, then I reiterate the, that same terminology. If a kid's not getting it, will it work? And it, and it does. You'd be surprised. Certain things that coaches use, you know, um, people thinking you need to float the football out when you punt. That means toss it. No. That doesn't mean that. This is what it means. But how do you really explain that? Sure. Well, it's the momentum of your body going forward, and you're just extending. You're reaching. And you show them in a, in a slow process of a drill, and then they have to repeat it and do it and watch it and do it. And, you know, so there's so many different ways to explaining it. And, 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 and you're right. Other coaches do have some terminology that works with other athletes. And if that's the terminology, the keyword is what you want to use keyword, then you stick with it. Sure. Now you don't coach for 21 years without having a lot of drive and passion for what you do. I'm curious, do you have a, uh, like a favorite failure in your past that then set you up for later success? Me having my aneurysm. I know that sounds kind of morbid. Um, no, that's true. It, I was really, you know, I came to Alabama because, you know, the hurricane Wilma hit in Florida, flattened pretty much everything. And you're two months without water and what have you. And, Bill calls me up. Hey, I want you to come work for us. So I did a camp up there. And that's when I was working with Josh Jasper and got him signed with LSU from that camp and uh, took the job, moved up there to expand, open up other divisions. And the stress of high school football and running a business was too much. And it caused an aneurysm. And, um, God let me live. And when I opened up my eyes and opened up Romans chapter six and read it all, it was amazing to me because it made me realize that it's not about anybody else but that child. It's not about you. It's not about you being famous or the kicking guru. It's not about that university or pro team. It's about that young man, what he is going to become, how he's going to work, the things that you can teach him to change things in his life when he, you know, comes in front of adversity, mm-hmm. how to deal and manage people. So many things that you kind of taught, but you didn't spend a lot of time on it, if that made sense. So sure. I kind of, changed my coaching habits into, you know, really working on that mind aspect and, and the and the brain and, and building the confidence and riding them hard when you need to, you know, to get on them and stay on top of them until they finally break and realize I can do this. Sure. Because some kids have to, you know, you, they, you have to take them to that point because you know, as well as I do, these college teams evaluate and analyze each player and what their pushing points are at. And they're going to try to take them over that point. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're going to strip you down like paint some days. Oh yeah. No question. They're your best friend when you walk in the minute your school starts. It's, (laughs) 
when you graduate is when you're going to get your beer. Yeah, I know. It's funny. Like there's always, I always get that text from kids. Like I check in with them after the first two days of camp and it's like, man, the, the guy who recruited me used to be really cool, but now he's, you know, he's cussing me out and, you know, cutting it up. Um, you know, now that's we, his job. Yeah. And you that's, know, that's, that's his, his job, job to see if you can handle the pressure. Cause if you can't handle him, how are you going to handle playing in Alabama with 110,000 people screaming? Or right. Tennessee, where they rock your whole bus. I mean, <laughs> or LSU, really? That's a lot of pressure. But you and I, and, you know, one thing that Coach Brown brought up in his interview with you is that that one guy has that key factor that can overcome a bad kick. And one that's determined that he's going to make every game winner that he hits. And if he does miss it, it won't happen again. Right. Those are the type of mentalities and work ethics that I look for in players. Instead of the ones that make excuses, you know. Great example, summer, college guys were running, asked if they could go at their old pace. NFL guys went crazy and said, are you kidding? We did 15 in a row without stopping. Looks like we have nothing to worry about for the next 10 years, huh? <laughs> they made their eyes open. It's true. Think about it. Yeah. If they're training with these, you know, and, and see these kids that are training that aren't working hard, well, geez. Yeah, get out. Why are you here? Yeah, and I think it's it's funny. It's such a wake-up call sometimes. And um, to see you know it's one thing to see your hero kick on Sundays it's another thing to see them in person hang out for another 45 minutes after your workout to get in sprints and do hills and do their core workout and then they're going to go hit legs for another two hours I think a lot of oh I've seen kickers that are better than guys that are playing the league now but you know what right they're making it on game day Mm -hmm. they're making it to get him into a Super Bowl. Sure. Can you talk about that demeanor for a second? Like a guy like Johnny Hacker, for example, like he was in the Super Bowl. He's played, he's hit big time puns. What is it in particular maybe about like his personality or Ty Long's personality that like, how would you describe that it factor that you see in those guys? They love to compete and they hate to lose. You go up to town, hey, bro, let's go ball for ball. It's on. (laughs) And in his mindset, he's going to punish you. Hacker, nicest guy. Greatest human, best human being ever known in my life. Great person. Tylon is the same way as a personality. But a different mechanism switches. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's focused on one thing. If I'm not hitting that ball right, I'm before I'm done, it's going to be perfect every time. So when they get in that game, you don't hear the crowd. You're focused. You see where your target is. You look at that snap. And you put the ball exactly right where it needs to go. Right. Then you can have fun. Yeah, I, I, yeah, those guys. Pat McAfee was the same way when I trained him. You know, he was. What, what was that like training Pat McAfee? I got to ask you. 
Oh, Pat was great. I mean, just very funny. Always has something um, cute to say. <laughs> that sounds nothing but, like. You know, Mike Sadler's the same way. You know, just very smart men, quick and witty, um, very full of life, but wanted to work nonstop. The man worked constantly. He'd harass me and say, get your ass up, old man. Let's go. <laughs> he really would. <laughs> it's 6 a.m. Come on, old man. <laughs> well, I mean, it paid off, man. Yeah. I mean, and, I, and that's when I had Hartley. You know, they both trained together. So it was mm-hmm. it was a joy training both of them. They're just, they were great young men and, and were focused, you know, on what they wanted. Last question. What's your, uh, what's your, what's a favorite success quote and why? You're never good enough when you dream of being the greatest. And where did that come from and why do you like it? <laughs> well, you can't be the greatest if you're in last place. And you're never good enough until you get there, which means you got to work. You got to do everything you're taught to do to get to that point. So when you do compete, you have that chance to be in the greatest ever. Mm. Gotcha. That's called the All-American Club. If you're happy within yourself and your mind that you've done everything you could possibly do, training-wise, and had a great season, then you become one of the greatest because you work for it. That's why you're never good enough. You got to keep working until you get it. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Kickers Are People 2 podcast. If you like this episode, or even better, if you didn't like it, please drop us a review on iTunes so we can get better for everybody else. This is important because we're going to start to give away some free, cool prizes in the coming weeks, episodes, and seasons. Thank you.